Here's my favorite example, billboards on the side of the road. The electronic ones are programmed with a lot of the data from the driving apps, Waze, Google Maps. And so the advertisers change the ads based on the demographic driving by the sign at any given time of day. Some of these signs have pollen counters in them, pollen sensors, I should say. And when the pollen level hits a certain level, triggers ads for you know, Allegra, Pharmacy, Target, you know, CVS, whatever. So we live in a radically relevant world. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. Now, that was Bill Cates. Bill's the author of the book titled Radical Relevance. Sharpen your marketing message, cut through the noise, win more ideal clients. Bill and I are going to talk about what it means to be radically relevant in order to cut through the noise and grab a buyer's attention. Now, I always enjoy talking with Bill. He's a, he's a straight talker, and I really enjoy his emphasis on how sellers need to get out of their own heads about what differentiation is or what value is. Because if your buyer doesn't think you're differentiated or your buyer doesn't believe your value to be valuable, then it's not, is it? So stick around. We're also going to dive into a handful of Bill's 17 rules for relevance and how to use these rules to become critically compelling to get buyers moving and keep them moving. And as I just mentioned, we'll dig into differentiation and how too many sellers have the wrong idea about what differences actually matter to their buyers. And we'll talk about value in the same light. What is the value that buyers need from you? They'll make a difference in their decision. So all that and much, much more. But before we get to Bill, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it. And if you subscribe, we'd certainly appreciate it if you could also give us your feedback about how we're doing in the form of a review. So thanks. And lastly, if you haven't connected with me on LinkedIn, please do. That's linkedin.com slash in slash real Andy Paul. All right, let's jump into it. Bill Cates, welcome back to the show. Andy Paul, great to be here. Thank you. Yeah, pleasure to talk to you again. It's been a while. Uh, yeah, but you know, I keep doing new stuff, so we better talk every now and then, right? <laughs> well, that's true. Put out new books and so on. So <laughs> where have where have you been sheltering in place? Uh, Annapolis, Maryland, not Indianapolis, but Annapolis, Maryland. Annapolis, Maryland, yeah. Annapolis, Maryland, uh, once the capital of this nation for a little while. Mm -hmm. On the Chesapeake Bay, beautiful place, Naval Academy. It is a gorgeous place. Um, yeah, I, I went on a recruiting visit to the Naval Academy before my um, senior year of high school. It was a gorgeous place. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, and actually a good friend who used to live there, his wife, I don't know if we talked about this before. His wife had started a uh, Caroline's Cakes. Have you ever heard of Caroline's Cakes? I have heard of Caroline's Cakes. Yeah. So. That's interesting. Oh, she started that. Must Is her name Caroline, I hope? She is. Unfortunately, she's passed away. But <laughs> oh, but um, but yeah, they started this to become quite a sizable, you know, small family-owned business, uh, making these incredible cakes uh, that each one, I think, weighs about 10 pounds. <laughs> and so... <laughs> But man, are they good. And they're famous for their southern seven-layer caramel cake. Oh, man. That that would be my dream cake. You Now, now you're making me hungry for Well, you got to go online, carolinescakes.com. I will. If, and if my buddy Chick is listening to this, giving you a plug. And, um, yeah, we just had one. Uh, we sort of tried to pass a couple weeks during the shutdown with one of those cakes. Um, yeah, <laughs> part of the reason we, my wife and I have both put on weight is, 
yeah, anxiety eating at the time. But uh, well, they call yeah. it the co- they call it the COVID nineteen. Yeah, just like the freshman fifteen. Yeah, yeah, I exactly. I, I got a few of those. Not <laughs> trying to wean myself off that. So, mm-hmm. but anyway, all right. Well, good. Annapolis, great place. So uh, we're here to talk about your new book, Radical yes, Relevance. Sharpen your marketing message, cut through the noise, win more deals. So first question is, is it's no longer enough just to be relevant? You have to be radically relevant? <laughs> well, I, I think we live in a, in a radically relevant world. If give a couple examples, uh, Google, the ultimate relevance machine, you have a seven word search, you type in two words and it already knows where you're headed. Mm. Uh, it's all built, right? The algorithms are built for right. relevance, right? Amazon, YouTube, all of that stuff. And then uh, here's my favorite example is um, billboards on the side of the road. Uh, the, the electronic ones are programmed with a lot of the data from the driving apps, Waze, Google Maps. And so the advertisers change the ads based on the demographic driving by the sign at the, any given time of day. Now, some really? of these signs, yep, some of these signs have pollen counters in them, pollen sensors, I should say. Mm-hmm. And when the pollen level hits a certain or a certain level, uh, it triggers ads for, <laughs> yeah, for exactly, you know, Allegra, Pharmacy, Target, you know, CVS, whatever. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, so so we live in a radically relevant world. We also know that it's so easy to really learn about your prospects, at least something about them, that it, it's just plain silly and foolish to not uh, – bring some knowingness to the table in terms of your sales and marketing. And people expect that, right? I mean, how many emails and phone calls and other things we get from people that they have no clue who we are. They're just spraying and praying. And, and, uh, and so we don't pay attention. The brain doesn't pay attention. The brain doesn't want to waste time on that nonsense. And so we've got to start focusing and focusing and focusing. And so the more we learn the narrower, and we'll talk about it, the, the narrower we get in our focus in terms of our market, in terms of our bullseye and the target, uh, the, the more our message is going to resonate with that prospect. And they will then give us the time of day so we can spend some more time with them. Yeah, I always find it interesting. And I was just having this conversation with someone right before this interview is, is yeah, why, given that that we have enough data to know that, you know, being more niched, more specific, more educated about our, our focus, uh, you know, our target customers, mm-hmm. that the vast majority of people are still, as you said, just are spraying and praying. It's like, right. why? Why? Right? It just seems contrary <laughs> to human nature to, to keep doing that unless, I guess, it works to some degree. Well, I mean, it's a pure numbers play, and and uh, it's not very efficient from a, a dollar standpoint, right. um, depending on what you're paying for it, of course. I mean, one thing you need to look at, any business needs to look at, is cost per opportunity, right? What does it cost you to get in front of someone? I don't care whether it's pure internet-based or or not, there's still a cost to getting in front of people. And so any business should know what that is. I think part of it... Some cases, it's ignorance, just not knowing. They haven't really, you know, been taught, trained, know how to do it. They don't think about it. Some people are lazy. I think salespeople, when you get down to the tactical level, sometimes they just don't take the time. Uh, or maybe it's it could be a leadership management uh, failure in the sense that they give people these scripts to use, whatever. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, that the last interview we did was all about my, my processes around referrals and introductions. Right. right. And I've seen people who will get a referral, they get introduced to the new prospect and then they go into their canned approach. <laughs> uh, you know, they don't use the information they Mission, could be learning. Right you know, from, from this, this person who knows them, there's cold research, which you get on the internet. And then there's the warm research that you get from the person who knows them. And we should be using both. Yeah. Well, you said in the book up front, the two challenges for sellers, Mm -hmm. marketing message, overwhelm, and then inertia. Right. And they're connected. Yes, they definitely are. I mean, the marketing message overwhelm will, will create inertia. Uh, people, you know, hiding their head on the sand, whatever it is related to what you do, right? People avoid it, put it off that you have to, you know, sometimes the inertia is caused by the incumbent, right? There was someone else that they're working mm-hmm. with. They might not even be thoroughly happy with that person, but the devil they know is better than the devil they don't know. I, I think some, you know, prospects are lazy. Uh, and so how do we get them out of that? Well, you know, I use a physics metaphor, uh, Isaac Newton, the first law of motion, a body in motion will stay in motion, a body at rest will remain at rest unless acted upon by an outside force. Mm-hmm. That, that's inertia. They're either right. Gonna keep, and, right? And we, so we got to become that outside force and, you know, not real force, but we've, we've got to slap sure. them upside the metaphor, metaphorically slap them upside the head to get their attention. And what's the best way to do that? Well, it's an introduction from someone they trust. Right. So that's how this ties into all the work I've done with referrals is that if you get introduced by someone that person already knows, likes and trusts, then you're on their radar. They're probably going to give you the time of day and maybe set up a call. Uh, You know, anything short of that, it's tougher. Sometimes you can be, you know, have some element of differentiation that really makes you stand out and will attract their attention. Sometimes you can be, you know, say something a little controversial, which will you know, act as that kind of outside force to grab someone's attention. There better be something behind it. It better not be a bait and switch. Um, you know, so for instance, there's a book out that says, stop asking for referrals. And in the book, what? oh yeah. And in the book, the gentleman says, well, I didn't really mean that. Uh, I, you, you should be asking for introductions. Now I believe in that. We should be using the word introductions more these days. But to me, that's a little bait and switch trickery. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and so we have to be a little careful about that, that cleverness and that, uh, you know, counterintuitive approach, but nonetheless, it, it can work. I mean, I'll say, for instance, I'll say sometimes referrals are worthless. And then I'll say, I know you're wondering why is the referral coach saying referrals are worthless? Well, they're worthless unless we get introduced, unless we get connected. So then we, you know, we build on that as opposed to don't do this, Oh yeah, okay, it's okay to do it. That's kind of disingenuous. Yeah, so. well you just raised you just raised the point. So tell people what you see as the difference between a referral and an introduction. Yeah, so uh an introduction is is kind of I, I I have three. All right. So word of mouth introduction uh, referrals and introduction. So word of mouth is people talking about you. And there's there's nothing wrong with that. It's good, it's important. We should all be getting some word of mouth. Uh, now some businesses can thrive from that, right? Restaurants, except for when there's a pandemic, but mm-hmm. restaurants, movies, books, certain things, you know, thrive on the word of mouth. They need it. But there's a lot of other businesses like an accountant or a financial advisor or 
a few, you know, other kinds of businesses that word of mouth isn't going to be enough and it's not necessarily going to be the right people. So then the, the, the referral is kind of called George, use my name, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of, some ministries call it a referred lead. Well, guess right. what? George doesn't pick up his phone anymore, especially if he doesn't know who's calling. And he's wondering why their friend gave his name out to someone he doesn't know. So forget that. That's going to voicemail, mm-hmm. right? And so an introduction, of course, is when you're actually being connected, introduced, you know, right. Laura, meet George, George, meet Laura. That can be done in person. It could be done over the phone. A lot of people are doing it with an email. I call it an email yep. handshake. Right. Um, but now that, you know, you, you are able to follow through on that and you have someone to talk to be it virtually or, you know, email or whatever. And so we, we need to think in terms of connections and, and I tell people that they're, they're not really done in, in this conversation until the connection has been made. So they, you know, have a way to reach out to someone who knows they're reaching out. They're interested in hearing from them. Uh, good quality connection has been made. So that's the basic differences. Yeah, and I think the critical point for sellers to think about is, is, is just a connection, the introduction is made. Um, there's a, yeah, the handshake, the virtual handshake. Right. Yeah, otherwise, yeah, referred lead is a good way to look at it. Yeah, just, I mean, look, can it work a little? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, does word of mouth work for some businesses to a certain degree? Yeah, of course. I mean, we should all be getting unsolicited referrals. We should all, I mean, that's a barometer of our referability. We should, we should all be getting some of those. If, if you're not, if you're not having some of your clients or customers talk about you to others, then you better examine that relationship and the value <laughs> that you perceive. Exactly. Right? And certainly some businesses lend itself to that more than others. Uh, but that that's kind of a barometer as far as I'm concerned. Well, it raises an interesting question is is so yeah, how do you how do you cultivate that? Right? I mean it's it's obviously you won't be able to cultivate your your users to yeah, give you these introductions, uh yeah, help with the word of mouth is is what should you be doing? Yeah, so um well first of all you got You've got to create what we call engaged clients and, or engaged customers. And, and an engaged customer or client is someone who's, who uh, appreciates your value. They like mm-hmm. the, the ideas you suggest, the, the educational elements of your process, the questions you ask to get them thinking in ways they haven't thought before and responsive service. And that's all kind of the value part of the relationship. And then the other part is the personal connection. Uh, the personal uh, side of the relationship. And I, I call it business friendships. You know, it's not like your best buddies and, and, or whatever, but, but your business friends and, and right. anybody listening to this knows what I'm talking about because they've had them. Um, and, and that's kind of, to me, that's the secret sauce of creating advocates because when you do a great job for people and, you know, some will talk about you without you even asking, and then they'll be receptive to you asking, and you can make get some introductions and all that. But then, when they really like you, too, then they want to help others with your value, but they also don't mind helping you. And so, mm-hmm. right, and so they take a stake in your success a little bit, like you've taken a stake in their success. And so that's the secret sauce to really creating a lot more advocates for our business. And advocates typically will. Number one, you know, advocate for you. Obviously, they're going to, you know, uh, recommend you, vouch for you. But they're also going to pay attention to the connection. They're going to make sure the connection goes through. They're going to, you know, they're going to bug you. Hey, have you called my friend yet? Or they're going to bug their friend. Have you called mm-hmm. my person yet? Uh, 
And that, that's what we want, you know, ultimately as advocates. And one of the best ways to create advocates, uh, especially this business friendship, is client events, client appreciation events, uh, customer appreciation events, where you get together with people in a social setting. Um, there's all kinds of things that businesses do to just to get to know people and, to, and, and, and take that relationship to a higher level. This is particularly powerful in, in uh, professional services, any kind of professional service business. And so then um, you can start to use those events for actually ways of getting introductions too. Well, it's like you see, yeah, tech companies have uh, basically user events, yes, right, where the users come, but then they bring their friends, and, they do. and they act as the salespeople. You don't even need the sellers to sell. Exactly, uh, you know, it, and it, and even though it's a user event meant to be mostly centered around, um, you know, the 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 product, obviously, and the, and the mm. technology, and and all of that. However, there's the social aspect to it. And then, of course, the sales reps can schmooze with the users, and uh, and you just start to develop these relationships. So you, you see it with large companies, small companies, anybody can can be doing this sort of thing. And this, by the way, is you know back to the book of relevance. This is how you remain relevant with your clients. You, you know, right. how do you, people say how do you stay relevant? Well, I keep talking to my clients, and I talk to them on a social level. I talk to them on a on a business level. And I find out what their challenges are on both levels, you know, to a degree on the personal. And that's how you stay relevant is, is having these kinds of, of uh, closer relationship. To me, radical relevance, it starts with like a relentless passion for just delivering, a, you know, a great product service relationship to your client. Mm-hmm. It's got to start with that. And it's about getting to know those people in ways that, you know, the average business wouldn't take the time and energy to get to know them. And that's how you stand out. Yeah, that's rule number nine. Relevance begins with client obsession. Wow. You actually, <laughs> you're actually looking at the book, my friend. Well, I, read, I read the book. So, <laughs> so um, but I think that's, that's true. And there are companies that stand out for this. I mean, Amazon, obviously, one of the larger companies in the world now, um, at least by value. Yeah, they they have this legendary obsession with with customers and uh, you know improving the customer experience and mm-hmm. and you know, to your point, you know your rule number fifteen is your clients aren't mind readers or you say prospect and clients, but but if you want to have you know build this community of of sort of raving fans, is you got to talk to them. Oh yeah, right? yeah, yeah, you, you do and. You know, the way I, I see the world through, I used to I joke in the book, I, I used to see the world through the glasses of referrals and introductions, right? That was, how do we leverage these great relationships? How do we, what are different ways to do that? Uh, products, services, right? How do we take whatever we're doing, whatever the project, how do we add an element of referrals and introductions or word of mouth to it? And of course, now I'm seeing through bifocals, I guess. Now I'm also seeing mm-hmm. through idea of relevance and value proposition, but they go hand in hand. I mean, one of the reasons I got into this is I was interviewing a bunch of salespeople and I was for a conference I was speaking at and I said, all right, so you get some referrals. I go, yeah, great. You know, what do you say to these prospects when you call them or reach out via email or whatever? And their, their value proposition was so lame that uh, I go, I got to write a book on this, right? Cause that's, <laughs> 
I'm helping people meet more people, but they're not going to make the sale or get the appointment if they don't know what to say. Um, so th- this is fundamental, right? How you talk, how you believe in and talk about your value is fundamental to your success. And it's why I see a lot of folks who are newer in sales not succeed because they never truly got inspired and believe in and an emotional connection to the value. I don't care what you're selling, right? You're, you're selling a product, you're selling a service, you're selling B2B, you're selling B2C, whatever you do has an impact on a person. And if you can figure that out and know it and believe it and know you're doing good work, then that's that obsession. And that's, that's, uh, uh, you know, how you be more relevant to them and bring better products and solutions and answers to their questions. And that's how you become referable. So they all go together. So yeah, to back to your point about value though. I mean, value is this uh, certainly in sales. It's one mm-hmm. of, it's become a cliche, right? It I mean, is. Yes. <laughs> yeah, what, what is value? And I think this is you know, really important for sellers to understand because it's, it's, uh, yeah, they talk about creating value, delivering value, but if you ask them to really okay, quantify that, be specific, what's the value? Uh, I really don't know for the most part. <laughs> well, and, and also value is in the eye of the beholder, right? So That's correct. We, we may be thinking we're bringing value, but we don't really know until we hear it. So, uh, I mean, one of the things I teach is something I call a value discussion uh, where we want to check in and we want to say, you know, how are we doing? You know, we've been through a process to get to this point, or we just talked about a lot of things this meeting, you know, what stands out as the most valuable. So we want to check in and see. Uh, we also want to pay attention to value recognizing statements because prospects, clients, customers, they all say good things about us. So hopefully some of them are saying good things about you. And and so now, now we know value is being delivered, but, uh, you know, value is what? Value is ideas, it's perspective. It's, it's ways to look at things differently. It's, um, you know, it's helping people do a better job, uh, be more effective, more efficient, uh, understand what they're buying better. There's lots of ways to bring value. Um, and I believe in leading with value. A- every salesperson, every business, every marketing, uh, because our society is so in tune to not wanting to be sold to that, right, we have to lead with some some help. Here's a way I can be of service to you, even if we don't do business. I know there's a way I can serve you in some way, and that's value, right? You show up with a prospect, and you see they're doing something that they could do a bit, a little bit differently and better. You teach them. You don't expect to get paid for it. You just teach them. You show them. That's value, and then they start to like you, and they start to trust you, and they see that you have other points of value, and so it doesn't have to be this mysterious thing it's just very specific things we can do with our prospects and clients yeah and i i just sort of take it a step further I mean, for me mm-hmm. it is those things but it's those things only if they help the buyer move closer to making a decision right well i think there's both i mean i think there's value in the decision process and then there's just value <laughs> just way to help the customer right <laughs> right but if you look at the Sure, but they have to have you help the customer in the context. Why are you talking to them? Because hopefully they're evaluating, making a decision about you know how to solve this problem, how to achieve a certain outcome, or whatever. Right. And you know you can consume some of their time 
And if it doesn't help them in some dimension in making that decision about what to do, doesn't mean, you know, it could be small progress, but it's progress. Right. There's no progress. Maybe just wasted their time. Exactly. exactly. And then there's no value in it. Yep. I hear you. So that's why I, yeah, I agree with you. It's, it's those things you talk about, insight, questions, data, whatever, but it has to be in the context of, did, did we help you? Yeah. Move forward. Right. Love it. And because you talk about that being compellingly critical, is or critically compelling, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get that straight. Critically compelling, right? to your point about inertia, is to get them moving and keep them moving. And if mm-hmm. you have meetings with your clients where you're not delivering something that they perceive to be valuable to helping them move closer, making a decision, they're not moving forward. Mm-hmm. And therefore, mm-hmm. in, my, in my world, in my experience, it's not valuable to them. Right. Yeah, makes sense. It's good. All right. We had violent agreement on those things. Um, <laughs> violent agreement. <laughs> but I, mean, I think that, and you have this quote from Ardeth Albi in your book, but yeah, it's looking different, which I thought was a great quote, looking different in the marketplace isn't about what you or your company does, it's about your clients or see from what you do. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I, yeah, it's, you know, get away from the features and benefits and, and what do people get from investing in your product? Yeah, I have a, one of the rules of relevance the, that you've already mentioned. The book has 17 of them, and one of them is only differences that matter, matter. Right. So, you know, there's a lot of conversation around, well, what makes you different? What makes you different? What makes you different? Uh, a lot of people struggle with it, um, possibly because they don't have a good target market. They don't they don't have this relentless passion for their, their clients or customers, um, so they don't know how they stand out. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, some people have superficial differences and so, but that doesn't matter. So I'll give you an example. Uh, I, I do work with a lot of financial companies and there was a trend for a while where financial advisors were building their websites to reflect their hobbies, fishing, dogs, cooking, whatever. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Being personal. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with conveying but they were they were seeing that as part of their the differentiation of their brand, but that's not a differentiation that matters. I mean, it might matter to someone else who fishes, and so if you all you want to attract is people who fish, well, then I guess that could be a differentiation. But it really <laughs> doesn't belong, it doesn't have anything to do with financial planning. So only differences that matter matter. Another example: um, a banking client of mine. One of their, what they called unique selling uh, uh, propositions was the fact that they had been in business for 127 years. And I said, well, (laughs) so what? Yeah, founded in a garage. Yeah, okay, that's different. Yeah, okay, I get it. But how does that benefit me, if at all? And a younger person may say, well, you know, they're probably old and they're probably Mm -hmm. out of Mm -hmm. date and stodgy and don't have the latest apps. And someone old, older, might think, okay, that's good. You know, they've been around for a long time. They're not going anywhere. But we don't know that unless we communicate in a way that's relevant to our prospect. It has no value to our prospect if it isn't relevant to them. And so what I had them do is I had them go through this list of theirs and and translate every one of those, those features that they thought were benefits into actual real life benefits, they could say, so what this means to you is this, or how this will show up to you is this, right? And so now they have things to talk about. And 
a lot of people confuse platitudes with differentiators. And what I mean by that is if any, if almost any business can say it, then it's not a differentiator. Right. When I'm in front of an audience, I go, all right, raise your hand if you use the fact that you really care about your clients and you bring customized <laughs> solutions. And, you know, most of the hands go up. I go, all right, well, clearly it's not a differentiator if everybody in the room does it. Uh, right. So, and it doesn't mean you don't talk about those things. I'm, I'm not saying you don't talk about them. Just don't expect that to be a differentiator. It's got to be something different. Well, the di- a differentiator can and should be the experience the buyer has with you going through their their buying journey. Abs- absolutely, it's it's a, it's a yeah. That's one of the biggest places, and it doesn't have to be the whole experience that makes you different. But there's certain ways you do things that bring more value, more you know, pleasure, peace of mind, saving time, saving money, etc. That does differentiate you from other people. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh, amazing you know, talking to sellers who think that it's all about the product. And on one hand, they'll say, "Well, you know, buyers' emotion enters into decision making and so on," but oh, then yeah. they don't factor that into, "Well, what's the experience we give the buyer?" You know, during their buying journey, in which we know from research is this incredibly complex thing that they go through. Mm-hmm. Uh, somewhat blind because they don't have a lot of experience maybe buying this type of product so they're sort of making it up as they go well yeah what's what's how how can you help them with that you know if, if buying and i believe that you know buyers generally as, as a mission will say look we want to quickly gather information to make a good decision with the least investment of time and money possible well how do you help that by helping them go how are you helping them achieve that through how you sell to them right and, it, and, you know, that's a lot of what makes you referable. It's not, I mean, the product and, and, and end service and end product could be part of that for sure. But it's mostly the process of doing business with you. It's the, it's the process you took them through, as you say, through that buying journey that at the end they go, wow, this is great, better than I expected. I, I, I know I made the right decision by the way, you know, you helped me with this. And, and so when they talk about you, they don't just talk about this is a great product. They talk about you know, you. the process of, of getting, of learning about and buying it. Absolutely. That's what makes you referable. And you, and you can become referable before a sale. If you have a great process, Absolutely. if you're educating folks, right, and all that, you can be referable even before the sale's made. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. It's happened for me a couple times. I mean, but it's, yeah. it's but uh, to a point, you, you know, kept using the word you, and it really is you as, a, as an individual. Um, mm. That at the end of the day, oftentimes, yeah, they're offering to make an introduction of you, not your company. They're they're making an offer to introduce introduce you to somebody in their network, somebody they're connected with, someone that you could help. Yeah, it's true. All right. Well, Bill, unfortunately, we've run out of time. But um, yeah, <laughs> so how can people learn more about your book and get in touch with you? Sure. I, I appreciate that. A couple tools here, some free stuff. Uh, we have a report, that a guide, I should say, that's free to your listeners. And uh, it's a nice combination of uh, kind of good reflection of what we talked about here today with the things I've been doing around referrals and introductions for years and, and my new material in the book, Radical Relevance. And it's called uh, exponentialgrowthguide.com. So go to exponentialgrowthguide.com. And you get that, it's free. And then uh, the book, Radical Relevance, obviously where books are sold, meaning Amazon, uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, audio and, and Kindle and all. But um, it, it's more than a book. And if, if I may, 
I, there was so much I wanted to put into the book. Uh, but I didn't want the book to be so large that people wouldn't read it, right? It becomes daunting and that doesn't do any, anybody any good. So I created a radical relevance toolkit and essentially it's a lot of the things that, that, uh, a lot of the very tactical and nitty gritty kind of things that I didn't put in the book that, um, that you get if you get the book. And so within the first several pages, it tells you how to register the book and you get access to the Perfect. Radical Relevance Toolkit. And, and just go to RadicalRelevanceBook.com, RadicalRelevanceBook.com. Uh, and, and you'll get into my world. Uh, would love to help you. I'd love to see how I can be of service. Excellent. All right. People, check it out. Bill, thanks a lot. Thank you, Andy. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen, and I'm so grateful for your support of the show. And I want to thank my guest, Bill Cates, for sharing his wisdom with us today. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you could also leave us a rating or a review and let us know how we're doing, we'd certainly appreciate it. And you can do all that on your phone in less than a minute as soon as this podcast is over. So thanks for your help. And thank you so much again for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.